0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan uh, with silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Uh, Say hello, sir. Hello, sirs, sirsettes,
1: ma'ams, men, you know, whatever, all of you,
0: everybody. Dogs, cats,
1: kittens of (laughs) all sizes. Dogs playing with cats, the world's going crazy. (laughs)
0: Yeah, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, welcome, we're a Dungeons and Dragons talk show, but we can't talk about all things RPGs, although today I feel will be a very Van Richten's guide to Ravenloft uh episode releases next month yes no next week yeah so it releases on the 18th uh which um if you do in-game stores that's the day you can go pick it up Mm -hmm. and if you do uh amazon uh, i think they deliver it that day so that'll be really probably in
1: shipping by then so yeah
0: um i'm excited for this book uh there's been i feel like I mean, a lot of people got this book early is what it feels like to me. Like we've had so many, so much information, but at the same time there's been a lack of information because I think wizards (laughs) of the coast said the PR team, I think was like, you know, we give you these books to like hype up the talk, but like you're not allowed to just like give everything away.
1: There's some Uh, etiquette here. We want you. Yeah. And specifically
0: (laughs) there was a, uh, the gaming gang, I think uh, a while ago, mm-hmm. they have a YouTube channel and he was like really angry on Twitter that he didn't get the candle keep book. And so I was like, but he's notorious for just going through every page. Here's like, page one, huge page HD two. shots of all of the things. So you don't have to buy the book. You could, I don't know. I mean, not that you would like scan his video, but it's, it's everything in there. Um, And so he didn't get candle but he did get Van Richten's guide. So I was like, what is this guy doing? Um. Uh, but I watched his video and he subtly at the beginning was like, well, now I'm not going to go through everything. And I was like, mm, you got a talking to, and you're like, mm. I still want to get these books. So I'll do what you say. Wizards of the coast. So that was interesting to me, but yeah
1: best place to get angry twitter yeah isn't it it's get things done reddit, apparently so that's the other place reddit go get mad on
0: reddit oh well reddit gets mad at you i feel like that's yes <laughs> that's, yes. that's that is reddit. true
1: but um, yeah that'll be a tuesday next week mm-hmm. um in your stores it's been a while probably since a lot of us i haven't really gone to my game store hardly at all obviously we're in the tail end of a possible global pandemic where things are opening up in different parts of the country. I feel like our governor um, on Monday or so is going to open us up. Finally, we're not going to stay closed down, shut down anymore. Um, And Michigan has been kind of one of the ones on the forefront of shutting down a lot. So I haven't really done too much. I haven't gone too many places. It'd be nice to get back out and and go to the the store and kind of, I just, there was always these, it was like a Saturday thing I would do where I was just bored. It would be after the show, but I was excited. And then I'd take an hour and I'd go down to the game store. And I, I didn't I would just walk the board game area or I'd walk the oh, miniature. Yeah. Area or I'd walk so much fun, the comic book area. And there's just so much stuff going on in, in our store. And I imagine there's lots of those types of stores all over. And I just love that feeling. And I definitely miss it from, you know, this whole year
0: of us just kind of
1: being trying to stay safe and trying yeah. to, to stay in. So it's, I'm it's funny.
0: Uh, it's funny that you say like, there's a comic book section and stuff like that, because I feel like a lot of those stores are like, I'm going to be a comic book store, but then you realize that there's money in selling magic, the gathering, and then you just yeah. start picking up board games. And, and so now you're a comic, you're a hobby store or you're vice versa. Star. Like I want yeah, yeah. st- to, I want to sell hobby stuff. Cause I like this hobby, but mm. like, man, I could make a lot of money selling, uh, comic books. Yeah. <laughs> the, the main comic book store in my town is just comic books. They have like some magic gathering cards. They're just
1: like we're not doing it. But
0: like (laughs) they only do comic books, and they're very successful. They're the most popular one in town. I think other ones have tried to start, but it's in order to compete with Captain Comics, you can't. Uh, And then our game store is the opposite, where it is very just games. Like they Mm -hmm. have lots of board games, lots of card games, lots of RPG stuff, minis and paints and stuff. But they there's not. There's not any comics in that store and I thought that was yeah, interesting. That
1: that'd be my dream. I don't want to put our 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 store's pretty nice. Wouldn't want them to go out of business. I wish them all the luck. But man, that's the dream to have maybe your own game store right in downtown in a nice little spot of a of a nice smallish town but big enough that you can be successful and just have a great Well, do you like community
0: and, do you like retail
1: like that because
0: oh, I think I like the idea of a game store, yeah, but I, like I don't think idea. I would want to run one. <laughs> well,
1: I so. have worked in I've worked in a hobby yeah. store way back in the day, and it mm. was fun working at a hobby store. I wouldn't say it's fun working at a, like a Best Buy or a yeah, Walmart I guess so. or a whatever. But because you're going to stock some train stuff at the hobby store. Yeah. <laughs> then gave you you had still had hours to read stuff that was there when or it just answer questions that people are coming in when they want to talk about. Because the hobby store I worked at was more of like a um, a lot of RC stuff, a lot of train stuff, a lot of model stuff. And then it did have a game and miniature area, but not comics or anything. And yeah. it wasn't a big gaming area. Yeah. But that was still fun to just be in that kind of environment. Um, it
0: wasn't a terrible job. So I, I Wait, think I could. Can... We went to the me and my <laughs> wife went to the hobby store. This was like probably a, a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, it was before my son was born. And uh, my wife. We, we have insight jokes, and one of them is she calls the Beholder the uh, Big Trouble in Little China monster. Right. Because it's, like, kind of similar. And so she's like, do they have that Big Trouble in Little China monster? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's, like, right here. And I, like, got her the mini, and she was looking at it. And one of the employees of the store was just like, well, that's no. I mean, they're different. That's And he tried to explain it to all of the, all of them. <laughs> and I'm just laughing, like, secretly. <laughs> and Shannon's looking at him like, do you even know who my husband is? <laughs> like, he <laughs> yeah. has a D and D Lord channel, and she yeah. didn't say that, but she was just like, the nerve of this guy trying to like out nerd me. <laughs> it was funny. The
1: uh,
0: that's so cool, good. Nice. Okay, so Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, May eighteenth. Yeah. Um, we have new character options coming out. What are what are those new character options? Well, they did do a video, so you can go over to Dungeons & Dragons video,
1: and it had the lead rules designer and or not Chris, um, uh, Jeremy. Um, And I'm forgetting the other guy they were mentioning in the video. I just watched it, like, a couple hours ago. But there's a... For this book, there was a lead rules designer that was not Jeremy Crawford or Chris Perkins. Um, And he's been the one that's been doing all the videos and talking to, like, Greg Tito about the lore you should know. So... You'll recognize this face. You'll probably remember his name. Somebody in chat will remember his name for us. Um, and they talked about the new character options. So there are lineages that come in. This is the thing where you can do damp years, And we've talked about that, where your character was one thing, but then a lineage can add something to that and, you know, modify that in some way.
0: I was once upon a time an elf, but and my th- mother fell in love with a vampire. And now right. I'm this elf vampire thing yeah half elf half yeah (laughs) whatever it can be then there's they talk about like getting like canthropy or something like could you be like is that a lineage like i could i could be a werewolf
1: i think it's in there because i Hmm. think i saw ted talking about it but they didn't mention it in this video but i think it's in there I'm, i'm pretty sure it's in there um and they just said lineages and they they didn't go over all of them in the video but i think if we looked at the that one page where we saw the contents. I bet all of them are listed there, just like dark gifts. They just mentioned dark gifts. They didn't say the ones you could get, but they usually they're like a double-edged sword kind of thing. And they mentioned a couple of them, like a living shadow that follows you around, or you hear whispers everywhere you go. And there's some good things to that, but bad things about that. And there's another one where you see ghostly specters that you're the only one that can see them. And they can kind of communicate to you or scout for you, but it also makes it hard for you to talk to normal people because your your eyes are always looking at all these weird squirming things. You know, you're like there's I've always thought like there's a couple of movies like that. You ever watch the Frighteners? Yeah. Where the one guy, he could see the ghosts, but nobody else could. Mm hmm. And he could see all kinds of stuff going on around him. So he's trying to have a conversation with somebody in front of him. But then the ghosts are doing something weird. So he's he's constantly distracted. And I thought that was kind of this idea of it'd be fun character to play where you are constantly distracted. You can't really have a good conversation with anybody because there's so much going on. But there is some positives to it because they can. They could point something out in the next room and, you know, point like danger or they could, you know, because you can see them and they can kind of pantomime to you some things. Mm-hmm. I thought that'd be an interesting way to have a, a character going on. But yeah. the idea was to have like a, a, a double edged sword to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And just uh, just I don't know, having a character with that special ability, like um, not not dissimilar from a druid where it's like can you go talk to the animals in the area and find out what's going on but instead mm-hmm. it's like let's go to this creepy like graveyard and mm-hmm. maybe uh the warlock yeah. can talk to some ghosts that are running around to find out what happened here 50 years ago or yeah, something yeah
1: so, all the dead that are stuck here mm-hmm. he happen to talk to them would be pretty cool i love um, it so they talked about that then they talked about the haunted classes which it's two haunted classes
0: which we've talked about before um and he then bard the back- in the
1: the um
0: College of spirits and yep uh,
1: I forget the other one <laughs> <laughs> they just really mentioned good at this two haunted classes and two backgrounds I just remember that the the background was like the haunted and then the other background was I think the hunter or the hunt the hunted okay so they were two that were kind of almost like a monster hunter or the one that's being hunted or oh the undead was.
0: warlock was the other one yeah, that's, that's right. kind of a you cool idea where it's like you you have patron. to go get something like you're, you're hunting something that probably is like uncatchable in a way. Um, yeah. Or the other idea is like you're always on the run. So, right. And he was talking about, you know, in your you might not know as
1: a character what it is and it might be only in the campaign that it's revealed. Or maybe you're creating a character that does know that and has to deal with it while the campaign's going on. So there's a couple of routes you can go with. You know, know, work with your DM to come up with something pretty fun and cool and interesting on, you know, how you can do those different ones. So, yeah, definitely based on horror themed campaigns, definitely based on you might be doing some Domains of Dread stuff. Um, Could be interesting if they fit in other campaign styles. I could see them still fitting in a normal Tomb of Annihilation campaign you're running or a Dungeon of the Mad Mage, you know, campaign that you're running. Mm I could see several of these still fitting into any any, like
0: undead haunted house. I mean, and a lot of a lot of the mechanics that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, uh, I think would be really fun not to have all the time in a game. Mm -hmm. uh, But for those Halloween one shots that you're you're you know, your original group of characters, they're whisked away somewhere and we have to do some cool Halloween one shot. Right. Um, I always thought that would be fun. So, so I don't know mm-hmm. if this will apply to a lot of people's D and D's, or if it's going to be another one, kind of like, uh, you know, like like Theros and and Ravnica came out, and those had really cool mechanics of like working for a guild or working for a, a specific company. Mm-hmm. And I say this, but you're doing acquisitions incorporated. so it's kind of totally working out. But like. And then Theros had the the deity stuff, so I could be mm-hmm. a a rogue, but still have cool powers from my deity as I like commune with them. Um, as cool as those rules are, I don't know anyone that's using them, other than I yeah. guess you with Acquisitions Incorporated. Yeah, we're so.
1: definitely using ACK Inc. Um, and yeah, because I'm a cartographer in but, ACK Inc. Yeah. So we but brought But Act Inc. is a
0: little again. different from the Ravnica rules too, because that was more. I of think like so a, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of like like Ravnica was more leveling up in your your guild and then you get benefits because of that and resources because of that uh acquisitions incorporated is kind of just like a funny joke so yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i think ravnica
1: if you're gonna put in your campaign you want your campaign to be about factions right yeah and if you're building a campaign that's about exploration or uh, a storyline you've come up with that they're gonna you know kind of Loosely follow, but they have a main theme. Like your Rod of Seven Parts was really the adventures about the seven parts of the rod, right? Exactly. You yeah. can you can go around and do a lot of stuff, but in the end, this campaign's about the seven parts of the rod. And if you don't and want so,
0: gods to be that powerful yeah. in your game, like I would never use the Thero system in an Eberron right. game. It just doesn't make right. any sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Or even the Ravnica might not work there. The only way you would do it is you want to lean into a heavy faction game in whatever world you're going to do. Cause you, for some reason, the dungeon master or games master was fascinated in the factions that are happening in that world. And you're going to put your players into that. Then the Ravnica rules might come in, or you want a heavy deity game. You want a yeah. game that's about gods fighting gods and champions fighting champions. And there's a heavy emphasis on the gods affecting the world then you might use some of the Theros stuff, even though it could be in any of these other worlds. But you have to almost lean into that automatically first and then kind of bring it in. And then you're like, and the second part of that is it's an Eberron game or a second part of that it's a Greyhawk game or the second part. The first part is that. So I don't know. You're right. I don't know a lot of Dungeon Masters that are doing it. Act Inc. is not the focus of our campaign. The focus of our campaign is definitely diving into the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Yeah. Act Inc. gave us a reasonable excuse to keep forcing us to go down and not give us really a reason not to just say you know what we've been far enough we're done with this and go do something else
0: yeah you know, yeah we have so, a reason to keep going i don't know and and not that i know everybody's games all over the place but i uh, mm-hmm. i just i thought that was interesting like i think those are both really awesome tool sets and in tasha's wasn't didn't they take the ravnica like guild system and kind of it's the same patron. Then you get a patron. Yeah, it's the same system, system it was only. with just patrons now. Um, yeah, yeah. but I don't know a lot of people that are using that. So I just, I don't know. I just thinking out loud, thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah. so maybe this will become a, another one that's on the shelf or you just pull it out when you need to do something spooky because that's right. kind of what it is. Right. You know? Yeah. How many so, people are going to be using domains of dread in their campaign? Well, and, I mean, Ravenloft of an is insanely popular with its niche crowd um, mm-hmm. so I don't know I wonder how many new Ravenloft people are going to be doing this but like we always talk about you know my my wife plays D&D with us and like this would be her setting like this is 100% right. what she wants to play <laughs> like creepy porcelain dolls attacking you and like you yeah. know weird vampires and werewolves like that'd be so cool um, yeah. yeah and thank you BK Dan for becoming a member of the uh, YouTube channel that's very hey. nice of you um, Welcome. yeah so Now there's some D&D or DM stuff I found in Ravenloft. Uh, We won't get into a, you know, we're predominantly a Dungeon Master show. So I wanted to talk about cool DM stuff that we could use. But if you are interested in things that are falling down, if you are interested (laughs) in College of Spirits and the Undead Warlock. That's your background. There's lots of stuff to go check out. So, um, first of all, Vampiric Mind Flare is one of the monsters. Just sounds scary. Just really. The <laughs> Excuse me. The art for this is uh ridiculous and yeah. it's super creepy and I love it. Um they did a good job. So I just wanted to bring that up, but um one of the new features with Ravenloft is curses, and now we've had curses in the past, but most curses, it's like, do you have Death a greater curse. restoration? It, it's god. Like mm-hmm. it unnecessarily makes me upset that lycanthropy is cured by a greater restoration. Um, mm. Because in once they have said that, then they had to backpedal and be like, well, unless you were like, you know, born a lycanthrop or like a, a werewolf or you were this. Why or, are there
1: werewolves? Yeah.
0: Like why are there werewolves if it's really that easy? And yeah. greater restoration is also not, I mean, it's a high level spell, but it's not out of reach in a, very magical world like Faerun. So uh, this is specifically like, here are some curses that you can get. And uh, with those curses there, you can alleviate the pain a little bit with a greater restoration. Like you could make it Mm -hmm. not affect you for a couple hours, but it's going to come back and you have to do a quest to get rid of it, which is, I, I think how most curses should work. I like that. And so they, there's a whole chapter about talking about curses um, and that they you can alleviate them with spells, but they don't go away until you fix, figure it out. Um, but some of the curses you could get, I liked like vulnerability to a specific type of damage um, mm-hmm. and disadvantage on checks or attacks, which is big one, but that's that's awesome. Uh, you can't communicate using a language. When you take damage, you take an extra 1d10 necrotic damage with that. and I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. like you' mm-hmm. you're just always getting hurt. Um, or a monster stalks you, which is kind of the background that we were talking about where you're always on the run. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, yeah, there you go. With your vorpal sword, snickersnack. <laughs> um, so I like those a lot and I like that there's a quest associated with it and they actually gave you a whole list of things to, uh, how did you get this curse? And it's like, well, I stole a sacred magical object from mm-hmm. a tomb. Or I broke a mirror when I shouldn't have her. I don't know. There was like a whole list of like, here's some ideas. So don't just hand these out. But yeah. And even some of the curses were when you defeat said boss monster with their last breath that they curse you. And then it's like, well, how do I get rid of this now? Like his, you know, uh, killing him rather than keeping him alive or something was actually to your detriment. And I think that's Mm -hmm. interesting. So Um, I like those. Those are all
1: good. And I think they add an element to the game that allows your players to stretch. But as a dungeon master also gives you a chance to bring the superhumans down a tad. Yeah. Because right? <laughs> they're already running around as Superman practically. So any little edge you can get on them at this point, once they hit you know 10th level and above, is good. And it adds yeah. flavor, I think, to the game.
0: Yeah. Um, Anna actually in chat was just saying that she's hoping to find stuff in here to use for a Shadowfell game. And 100%, I think uh, Ravenloft and the Shadowfell were merged in 4th edition, but I I like them as separate entities, but I -hmm. I 100% think that they're mechanically very interchangeable. And you could easily take a bunch of this stuff and apply it to the Shadowfell, where different spells work differently because... Or certain spells work differently because it is the Shadowfell. Like, I like that a lot, so... And I, I would think we love still to need a Shadowfell film. book,
1: though, or even a, a you know a Feywild book.
0: Yeah, we, we don't have those. There's lots of them really them great out. stuff on the DM's Guild, though. But uh, and yeah. honestly, the fourth edition DM or Shadowfell Gloomrot book is exceptional. Um, another one is Fear and Stress. So there was a list that you could do, but basically you're encouraging your players at the start of a game to. Uh, come up with a, a phobia of some kind. Like, I don't like tight places, or I I don't like spiders, I don't like whatever. Um, and then when that fear comes up in, uh, not in battle, but like in while playing the game, if the player, you know, if they react, if they react with their character appropriately with this fear, you're supposed to reward them inspiration. And I wish that this was more mm-hmm. than just inspiration. I wish that there was like a mechanic. Like, when you are doing your fear appropriately, uh, I give you, I don't know, like a D4 to use later to help you out on a roll or something. So it's this like encouraging role play is what I want. Uh, And I don't think, I think inspiration was the idea behind that is to encourage role play, but it has never really worked out for me because it doesn't feel like anybody really wants inspiration. Uh, (laughs) uh, They're never like craving it or something. And it's never, (laughs) it's always, well, I'm not, I guess craving it's a bad word because you don't want them to crave it. Um, You want it to be that like little extra, like, oh, I did a good thing. Uh, But I don't know. It's just something. something's weird there. But um, stress on the other hand is something mechanic that I really like. So again, if you see, this is another optional rule, but like if you see, a spider and you are scared of spiders you accumulate one point of stress and stress is a separate bar that you just add numbers to so it's like i've got a point here and i have a point here a point here and let's say you have three stress well you're gonna mm-hmm. put a minus three to all of your roles your attacks mm-hmm. your ability checks because you're stressed out and you need to have a safe night's rest in order to lower that stress to get you back down to zero and that is really cool because yeah. how often are you like, okay, we're we're going into a dungeon um, and, you know, battle, battle, battle. Oh, we need to take a long rest, long rest, battle, battle, battle. Oh, long rest. Guys, I think the boss is behind that door. Long rest, go in full power. And you're like, okay, but now it's let me go down here. And it's like, okay, we're still at full power. We took a long rest, but I have five stress. That's mm-hmm. a minus five to every attack I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. And sleeping in the dungeon is not That's not going to calm you down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In the little bit. So it also, they say, you know, there's some spells in D&D, like calm emotions and stuff Mm -hmm. that could uh, lessen the burden. So a lot of these spells that we don't use very often could come 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 into play, which is really cool. You know, like uh, a way to say, like, I'm going to cast this spell on you so that your five stress is actually two stress. And you're Mm -hmm. like, that's awesome really useful spell never touched it before but that's really cool so uh, as far as like keeping you on edge I I really like um the idea of stress and mm-hmm. it's such a simple mechanic too I didn't really I don't know it's I it's always the simple ones that get me where I'm like that's really cool yeah <laughs> so. yeah
1: I would love a role in there where you're making wisdom checks and then failing them badly you're starting to pick up those insanity points you know the very could style of, um, uh, mechanic. In Actually. The game. Yeah. Very similar to, Call to Cthulhu. Have a Hard time dealing with some of the craziness that's going on because these are not normal. You know, we're mm. all sitting at our desk, rolling our dice, having a good time. We can think logically about what we want to do or whatever, but these characters are in some very crazy, dangerous, insane worlds. And there would be a toll on your psyche, going up against mind flayers and beholders and undead hordes and hordes of undead, you know, it's just like, yeah. eventually that's going to wear on you in some way. And I, I would love that representative of the game. And I think sometimes Cthulhu does that kind of well. I would love Cthulhu to do that very well. Yeah. Sanity mechanic in the game where you're, you know, stuff's just goes bad, you know, and you're yeah. having a hard time <laughs> dealing with it. So yeah. Somebody, well.
0: somebody in chat was asking us about the bag man. Um, which is a character that I didn't really know very well. Uh, so I actually just kind of Googled it. It looks like Polygon did a big uh, article over it. Wow. Um, but it's kind of like Slender Man. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I was like, no, that that would be a fun monster to have uh, terrorize somebody. Or kind mm-hmm. of like The Ring, where like if you watch something, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. Like, I read this book, now I have to get somebody else to read this book. Actually, that would be a fantastic Ravenloft campaign. I just want to redo the (laughs) ring, only in, like, a medieval setting. That would be so cool. Yeah. Uh, The last one was Haunted Traps. Mm -hmm. And this was really cool because uh, I mean, we have thieves that can take out physical traps, and you have thieves tools and stuff, but Mm -hmm. this is a haunted trap, so it's more of a supernatural thing than a physical thing. And, uh... From a magic standpoint, I like that because maybe you could magically diffuse it uh, rather than like, oh, I found the lever that causes this trap not to go off or something. And there, and in it, there was rules about using the trap uh, or finding the trap and how to disarm the trap, uh, which that would be like a separate rules that maybe your rogue is not the best at. So... Um, but yeah, and one of them is uh, an example was like a mirror that erases your face and leaves you blind, deaf and mute. So you look in this mirror and then you turn back to your friends and you're like, ah, I can't see and I can't talk. I can't tell you how to get out of this kind of a thing. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. your face is trapped on the other side of the mirror. Uh, really cool. Like really fun. Very scary. So very spooky. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the whole point, you know, like I love it. So the more, uh, the, this last week, lots of stuff came out. And I, and I think we'll stop there. I mean, there's more to talk about, but, uh, it, it, I'm very excited for this book. Uh, so much so that I think maybe Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday night, I'll do my first like flip through on mm-hmm. like, I'll just do a live stream. Cause I'm like, I don't know. Everybody else does this. They seem fun. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I just want to flip through it and like talk about it with people. Cause it looks really cool. Yeah. I'm interested to see the
1: artwork. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how much content we're getting. It feels like we know a lot about the book, so I feel like you can make a good decision if this book is the one for you or for your campaign or your group. You're not going into it blind. Some of the other ones you might you you, know, you might be taking a gamble a little bit to say, well, I kind of know what's in here, but I yeah. really don't. But in this one, I feel like you have enough that you can go out and make a good decision. Um, it's sounding better and better. I may on Tuesday stroll down to my, my game store and pick up a copy just because yeah. it looks like it has a lot of fun stuff in it. Uh, There was a weird article. So many domains of
0: dread. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. There was a weird article about um, some company was like, it's the best book they've ever made or something. And uh, a lot of people were like, no, like, like people I know who have it. They're like, no, but it's like, it's cool. But it's it's not like the best book um yeah. somebody or uh yeah i think it was uh nerd immersion was saying that there's not stats for the dark lords because they want to keep them mysterious and unkillable but that seems weird to me because there were stats for the demon lords uh you know the demon right. princes and yeah. in, in out of the abyss and then later on reprinted tiamat in, stats yeah <laughs> tiamat we have stats for him or for her so that was weird I don't know how I, I really want you to be able to save, uh, like you know, Lamordia from the vicious monster Adam. And then that curse is it will always come back, like, even though you've defeated things and you can now leave, It'll find another, yeah, yeah,
1: dreadlord.
0: Uh, well, and retirement. it's like you defeat <laughs> Strahd, and then Strahd will come back eventually because yeah, he yeah. can't really die because the dark lord, dark powers won't let him. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was weird that they didn't have stats. So you might have to make up your own, or maybe there's something in the book that really details how it works. Like, mm-hmm. like you're you're attacking them this way or something. I don't know. So,
1: huh? Interesting. But I could be wrong. Yeah, but anyway, you, yeah. Can you shut down or destroy a domain of dread? Like, there's so many of them. But could you? Could you? finalize it you know like make sure yeah. nobody else gets trapped in that domain
0: i don't know so like should... and that would be a fun quest you know and maybe that's that's how you actually take out these dark lords is yeah. it's a quest to actually undermine their power rather than just attack them because attacking them will never work and maybe that's their plan so i don't know but D D is, is such a combat focused game it makes i feel like there should be like that <laughs> but i don't know and and then you can't do your cool mega man thing where your players are now at the end of the campaign, their 20th level, and five Dark Lords at once come and attack them. Because you have to go battle all of the old bosses before you can yeah, get yeah. to Sig... Anyway, that would be cool. but
1: <laughs> that'd, be fun. Uh, that'd be fun. So definitely
0: go out and get it. Um, I just
1: wanted to mention, too, uh, for you Gen Con goers I had badges, May 16th was the last day you could make your choice to roll it over. So if that's happening, Tomorrow, make sure you yeah. do um you don't want to lose out on that and oh also i had a TOLUS arrive so i definitely (gasps) want to show off a a big old Tolis. oh my gosh look at this monster that's 700 Uh, pages of cool yeah it is 5e edition i've got the the pdf for both versions the cipher version and the 5e version and if you got the 5e
0: version and print only.
1: This is the print only for 5e. I didn't gotcha. want have two of these in them. Yeah, that's a that's um, a bit much, but it's yeah. it's, it's a big um, artwork looks fantastic. It always is in a Monty Cook game. But here, I know you're building like your own campaign world, right? Trying, yeah. So I'm like, I was thinking, well, I bet in Jordan's world, because he's really good at doing this kind of stuff, I bet he uh, had a little handout of little different places like the Delver Square. That's cool. That tells you about all the kind of cool stuff you can do. And I bet in your campaign, you're going to give them a nice world map. I do want to get a map. And then yeah. maybe like a little coastal map that makes it <laughs> a little easier to find out what's going on. And I know in your campaign world, you're going to put the some of the houses that they might oh, go to inns or things, you know, and talk about little little cool stuff. The Rosegate, one for the player, one for the GM. Um, I bet... Some of your towns will have newspapers. Oh, the Arcane Times. Yeah, so you can have the Midtown <laughs> Partisan that tells you about, you know, things that are going on. How about you're going to give them a calendar so they know how your year works, right? Oh, you got to know totally how that works. Man. Yeah. So this, this was his days. own. Yeah. It's his own crazy world. That's cool. Yeah, the special days. Um, some more adventure maps, some more adventure maps. Oh, I right, here's a good one. This one you'll have. Um, how about, a, you like roll you like random encounter tables, right? You would make oh, love those them. for
0: yours. I love them. Would
1: you make, you know, random encounter tables that are, look at this monster.
0: That's cool. That's only page one. Here's
1: the here's page two.
0: No, and it's nice that they're separate. I hope they're in the book too, but I love that they're a handout that you can keep page separately three. and just like roll. so Page four. This is how big this thing is. Five and
1: six. <laughs> oh my God. And you get the city map of Tolis because the whole campaign is about a large city. Like Mm. the idea of playing in Tolis was you were going to play inside a very large city. And what would that be like as a campaign
0: in Dungeons and Dragons? Got some places for some notes. And this was his third edition game. Uh, And I saw an interview with him. I guess Chris Perkins played in this. Like he was one of his main players. Yeah. That's super cool. And because they got Chris Perkins to be on a stream where he was announcing uh, Monty Cook was announcing Tolis and that they're going to bring it for 5th edition and so they had a round table of the old players which were all these old I don't not old in the elderly sense but uh, people that worked at uh, Wizards worked back there. in 3rd yeah, edition yeah. who are like yeah let's just talk about this now so
1: really cool yeah. he put in I think you should do this too how about a character sheet for your players That's that is funny. stylized in your artwork for yeah. your campaign and Endegar so got some of those there's so much more in here. There's like menus, uh, wanted posters. You want some of those? Yeah. You want proclamations about the laws? You know, Monica. I Cook- know. You want? You have to show your papers when you go through the gate. <laughs> so here's your imperial identification papers that you have with you. And can be forged. Um, how about how? What kind of food do you want? You're, you're getting hungry yet? soups and poultry and fish and cold plates. So he has lots of that stuff. And then he has a mega map that he gives you, which is even this, this map of the town is enormous. Like it unfolds and it turns into it. I'm not even going to do it because it's too big, but wow. If you're putting a campaign world together and that's just
0: the handouts that you add in. Yeah. There's an, there's an envelope in the back that has handouts. Uh, Monty cook. He loves his handouts because, uh, yeah invisible sun had that too where there were like there were uh business cards for people Mm -hmm. in invisible sun and there were uh menus and all kinds of props and then uh they came out with a prop kit too for invisible sun because i think he just likes props like yeah and, and i don't know who doesn't like like a cool physical object you can hand the player like i love that so yeah so very cool i would say
1: there's a few things in here for players but this is like a lore person's yeah Bible. This is like the probably monsters and stuff. To, um, yep. Yeah. Encyclopedia of this world, how to play in it, how he built it. You know, he talks about coming back to revising it and reviving it. And some of the things and emotions it brought up, you know, coming back to it after so many years. Um, I think it's a very interesting, I can't wait that I definitely have not even remotely got most of the way through this yet. I want to read it cover to cover as a goal. To say I did it. You should it, also like
0: 174 pages. You should do a live stream of just Ooh. like uh answer questions and kind of flip through it. Yeah. Maybe when you feel a little more comfortable, obviously. Enough. But if yeah. you save that, we'll upload it to the Saturday Morning D and D Show channel because I think it's really fun. cool. Like I. I'm sad that I didn't back this now because I remember thinking about Mm -hmm. it. I'm like, I don't know. But like, man, I love Monty Cook. Like Invisible Sun is one of the coolest like lore things that I've ever seen. And this would equally be really awesome. So, man. So that was a Kickstarter that has um,
1: completed. It was successful. If you're thinking, hey, where's mine? Remember, they give you the coupons in your email. You take those coupons, you go to their website you use the coupons and then that's how it gets shipped out there. So yeah. it's not like it's shipping like other Kickstarters where they already have your shipping info and they're just sending it out. Yeah. They, they do it through the their bonds, go to their website, and then it sends it out to you. So. Oh.
0: so yeah, I do. Now, I'm having, so now I I'm having now I'm having problems. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh>. stream <laughs> health is going down. Sorry, guys. No, no. Hang in there, guys. If it
1: don't, if it goes totally down, uh, Twitch is up, so we should be good there.
0: Yeah. Uh, um.
1: What's chat know. saying here? Uh, reports are there are no stats for the Bagman either. Uh, yes, we want an Ender guy, Endergar tourism guide is what I'm hearing
0: over. Oh man. Board, so. Yeah. So well, <laughs> and I well I guess yeah. Let's let's jump ahead. So uh, I've been thinking a lot about Endergar, uh, and. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, that was, that is my homebrew setting that I've never played mm-hmm. in. So for the month of All December right. in 2020, I tried to do a, uh, I found a couple of online guides that were allowing me to go through and kind of build a world. And it, it was more from a fantasy novel sense of like build a world and then start writing your story.
1: But yeah. I and used every that day to build... you had a goal. Right? Yeah. Like I had every, a goal every yeah.
0: day. And then yeah. and by the end of the 30 days, you really get a fleshed out like, Oh, that's cool. Uh, and, I've been wanting to do a night, a stream in the evening where I just answer questions about Indigar. And if I don't know the answer, then we come up with it together kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I thought that would be a lot of fun, but I'm at a crossroads now because you know, we're, we're vaccinated. The CDC just straight up said, if you are with other vaccinated people, you don't have to wear masks and things like that. Yeah, you uh, can go to the I parks. cleaned up my game room. Yeah. So now I have a table that's accessible Uh, I was actually going to go to Lowe's and I was thinking about getting a sheet of plexiglass that covers the entire table so I can just draw Mm -hmm. anywhere. I thought that would be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely getting back into I want to play games right now. What do I want to run? And that's the problem. So I and then I was going to show this off. You got something in the mail. I got something in the mail. I bought Mm -hmm. uh, Dark Sun. This is the second edition box set but it's a reprint from drive through RPG, but these reprints are nice. This is soft cover, but like yeah. this is, this is nice. Sometimes and, soft covers are nicer books to have. If you're going to be referencing Oh, at the table, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I, I can do all. Yeah. I, I just you feel like I can flip through this home. a lot easier.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so this is dark sun. It's really cool. It's so uh, I got this both for lore purposes, but then as I was reading it, I'm like, man, I want to run a dark sun game. Now I want to run. So, <laughs> That would be really cool. And then I bought a second edition Planescape campaign oh. setting. Um, strictly, again, for lore and just to Monty have Cook on the shelf. But, man, like, there's a city of doors. Uh, yeah, it's to In front of that, who
1: are the writers listed on that? Because I'm sure it's Monty Cook. And oh, some, uh, he's, gotta he's gotta in be here, released. yeah. Monty and who are the people they are mentioning there for that?
0: Uh, Zeb Cook. Zeb, that makes sense. Uh, he's the designer. So David Zebcook was the designer. Um, I don't think Monty is on the core box set, which is what this is. This is the campaign setting. Uh, but God. I know he did some other books for it specifically. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so this is – and the art from this book is really cool. And then finally, I got a fourth edition book as a soft cover. Wow. And this editions. is uh, – Menzo Baranzen, City of Intrigue. So I want to run a all drow Menzo Berenzin game Ooh. where every yeah. character has to be a drow, but like you can be whatever class you want. We just have to make it work and then have them be part of the various houses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the adventure is all in the Underdark, not necessarily in Menzo Berenzin, but it could be. I don't know where the adventure would take us. But this is a really cool resource if you want to run a, well, Menzo game, because then it has all the drow houses. It's a little outdated because it's fourth edition, but the drow houses really haven't changed that much. Uh, and then, yeah, and then you go and you pick them up. So I have some friends that are like, I want to play in that. Like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> and that's my dilemma. Do I run a fifth edition all drow game that I kind of want to run? Do mm-hmm. I run a Endegar game that I also want to run? Uh, And then last night, I was working on my modular D6 game that I have not even really play-tested with actual people yet. I was (laughs) like, or do I do that? And because of YouTube, my new job, and the baby, uh, I only have time for probably one night a week of games. So So what do I do? Invisible Sun. play Invisible Sun is what I'm hearing. Oh, and then I have (laughs) Invisible Sun that I want to play. Because you bought that big, cool... Box not, set. not only did i buy the giant box oh. i bought many of this expansions uh yeah. yeah the only expansion i don't have physically is yeah. the night side book yeah. uh which is kind I of want, like the opposite end of stuff i want but, to see that yeah.
1: hand on your table for oh, a funny. live play yeah. and you go
0: that thing is sweet no, it's so cool. It's over there. It's. Uh, I've got yeah. my little Invisible Sun shrine. <laughs> I almost think me. of it
1: as the Hand of Vecna in
0: some ways. It is does, that? yeah. It's got six hand, six fingers, but it's actually called the um, Testament of the Suns yes. is its official name. So good. Uh, I did put out a, a plea to some of uh, Not a plea, but uh, I was like, hey, friends, who wants to play this? And I kind of handpicked some people that I think would enjoy Invisible Sun, and mm-hmm. they all said yes, uh, but we haven't really coordinated a time to do it, but That's another one I want to run, really, really bad. I'm running Numenera right now, which is like check mark off the list. I wanted to get through some of these games that I bought that I've never played, and so I'm excited that that. I'm having fun with that. (laughs) Uh, But boy, I missed the days when I was running like I was playing in two campaigns and I was running two a week, and it was like four nights a week I was doing D and D. That
1: was fun. Yeah. So I was able to do that back, like you just said, you had mentioned, but both of our lives kind of changed last year yeah job changes family changes things my job changed my brain learning financial software couldn't take i can play in a game i had to stop running the games i was playing or looking at new games because i was spending all my time learning the new software or i just also have gotten promoted so now i have two jobs i'm kind of juggling i can't wait if i can get through these couple months where i'm not juggling two things things can settle down And I can devote my brain to looking at other systems again because that would be great. I want to get back to that. But it's just been tough. This year has been a a tough – I haven't been able to do a lot of extra stuff. If you talk to me in 2017 or 2018, 2019, I was playing like three games a night. I was running stuff on the weekend. I was going to all the – you know, like it was gaming all the time for those years. But this year it's been kicked back a little bit, let real life um, do some of that stuff. But I can't wait to get back to that. I think I would love to see you running some Invisible Sun just because it's it's a game you don't see often. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big, cool Monty Cook set of weirdness yeah. that we just need in our lives. Yeah. But I'd also love to see uh an
0: Indigar showcase that Indigar. You know, you, you put a lot of work into it, you put a lot of 30 days into it. Well, and it. the thing it, is like Endigar is not gonna grow unless I do play in it. And so that's really the next step. Uh, I like that. And I want to do modular D6 with Mm Endegar, But at the same time, I'm like, I really just want to focus on like how those work, the mechanically before I start putting a whole campaign setting around it. Uh, So that that could be something later on. But I think I need to play Endegar in a fifth edition sense. So much to do. I kind of ran into that problem that you're talking
1: about too. Like I've, I've been writing some stories that trying to just practice writing. And the idea was um, I was building a story about somebody who played a video game and the video game is about a one thing too. So like the story to make the story work, I had to invent the game they're playing, (laughs) but then I also had to invent the, um, the rules of, the outside world too that they were they were a part of, so it was almost like doing two things at once. Where you are saying the campaign I am inventing at one thing, but I am also inventing the the rule set we're going to use to yeah. make that happen. That's two things at once. Maybe that's yeah. too much to try to. <laughs> yeah, I was running into a little bit of that too. Where I was like, oh, I got to build this and this at the same time if I am going to try to write this story the way I want to write it. And I was like, oh, it's a lot to it, but. I think if you push through and you get through those things, it'll be interesting and fun and you'll learn something out of it. Even if it works or fails or whatever, the next thing you do, the next time you do it, it'll just be that much yeah. better, that much more prepared. Um, and I think it'd be cool for us to see how, what, what Indigar looks like. What makes it
0: separate from Eberron? Yeah. Greyhound, and that's Greyhound, hard. Browns. That's hard, you know? Yeah. Because so wild mount, I think is a perfect wild example. Mount. Like Wild Mount is a very cool system. It's or, mm-hmm. a very cool world. And like Matt's world is awesome and things like that. But when I played in it, I did not think like that was, it was another Forgotten Realms. Like yeah. uh, there are there are little subtle differences where the drow are on the surface yeah. and you're like, okay, cool. But like what makes it different? And Eberron feels very different yeah. from or a Forgotten Realms game. Uh, Dark Sun. Dark Sun very different planescape uh yeah very different because it's 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 all about going to different worlds but mm-hmm. um and so not again i'm not making i'm not saying critical role is bad or anything like that i just felt yeah. like uh i don't matt didn't have a huge diff what's the word i want to use <laughs> uh matt mercer i think when he was playing in his wild mount campaign setting it was just like i just want to do a fun world where i can do things in and then it blossomed into oh man everyone's paying attention to me now kind of a thing uh so he has interesting factions and things like that but it it doesn't necessarily feel that different from uh the factions of another game kind of a thing
1: yeah so or the high magic of forgotten realms is really that that feel so you're going to get that it's not a low magic setting it's not a you know a weird alien setting Mm -hmm. it's not a sci-fi mixed sci-fantasy setting and i think that's where you get dark sun stands out yeah um strahd you know that Mm -hmm. stuff stands out because it's the horror stuff and then um i feel like what forgotten realms is and i love it even though i'm gonna say this it's like the milk toast or it's like the the standard or the base
0: and everything deviates from it <laughs> you in know, a way and greyhawk was the same way where yeah, it yeah. was just kind of like like european just generic yeah, high fantasy. fantasy yeah high fantasy high um, magic. Fantasy. but you're right like when you build a campaign setting like where's the where's the twist uh yeah. why play in this rather than up? this rather than just like I mean, you could say, like, I want to play in the He-Man universe because I like that universe. And mm-hmm. it's like, OK, like, let's have a He-Man D&D game. But it's right. still going to kind of feel like Greyhawk Forgotten Realmsy, y uh, And so you have to have those things where, you know, Spelljammer is really different because it's in space. Mm-hmm. And they made mm-hmm. all these new equations of, like, how spells work in space. And the phlogiston and all this other stuff. And, you know, Planescape is kind of similar where you're like going through these weird gated towns to get to the plane of law where your chaotic buddy is not having a good time because he feels the law oppression on his body. But like your lawful person is doing great here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's, I don't know. It really is interesting because, uh, and that's hard, I guess, is what I'm getting to. Uh, Eberron did a really great job of like, You know, it's not a living world. It is just, you're playing an Eberron game uh, two years after the war ended. What does that mean? And you have all of these weird, like, uh, war-forged things that were made for war that are now like, what do we do? Like, how long are we going to live, you know? Well, and its its hook is that magic science. Yeah, and magic science, yeah. It's that.
1: That's what makes it really stand out. You have lightning rails, Mm -hmm. stuff, and I think that just, you know, that kind of that gives you that um, steampunk to me is what I always thought. It wasn't quite steampunk, but it was in that it was moving in that direction of a steampunk style game.
0: Well, and, And and you know, maybe like uh, Hot Springs Island is a good example, too, uh, Mm because Shazama said, uh, you know, you don't need a twist. You just need an interesting place with cool lore behind it. And I Mm -hmm. agree because uh, Hot Springs Island had a really rich backstory. And then your players are just exploring and they're like, what in the world? And so like the fire salamanders are fighting the orcs and like, (laughs) what? And like some mysterious God is, is literally beaching whales every other day so that the orcs can like carve up the whales and have something to eat. And it's like, why is this deity doing that? Like, it makes (laughs) no sense. And so there's this conflict that you're then thrown in the middle of. And one of the reasons that I, well, a lot of reasons I loved that, but like, my players could have easily chosen the side of the fire salamanders mm-hmm. and then led a rebellion against these vicious orcs that just keep attacking them. But like they decided they met the orcs first and sided with the orcs. And so that was fun. Like it was really interesting. Yeah. So and, yeah, those know. are that's
1: those are my votes for if you if you free up a night somehow
0: in your super busy schedule. Yeah. And well, you know what I want to do? Like I should that. I should make a um I should get into roll twenty and try to, can you build character sheets in Roll20? Because that would be cool if I could build a, a modular D6 character sheet and then players could like play with that way. So there are, because then I could run you through it. That'd yeah. be fun.
1: There's mm-hmm. not an easy way to build character sheets in there. And I wish there was, that's the mm-hmm. one thing, the one tool out there that I would love to see is something that makes building character sheets easier and not just the 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 graphical design of them, is that yeah. what I mean but the graphical design combined with the mathematical mechanics yeah. that add the bonuses when certain things are selected or certain things are added just like you get in a roll 20 character sheet or you get in a um, D&D beyond character sheet. but I want a tool that lets me graphically set the places. And then I want to be able to click on that and say, here's how the math should work for this. And here's how the things that work. Here's my database of things that are the rules that this thing is going to follow. And I want it to be very WYSIWYG. You know, what you see is what you get. I don't want to be writing code lines to get all to that because I know that's what they have now. But we don't have just a nice visual drag and drop move stuff around. Make the look of it and then go in and start making the mathematics that build behind it. That would be awesome. But I mean, you know somebody who does that kind of stuff. So maybe. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Maybe he could tell you a way to do it.
0: (laughs) Uh, But like modular D6 is just D6s. So we could easily uh, hand write it kind of a thing. So, well and you might I don't want know. I, that, just I so think that's familiar. another thing I want to do is is I know people like you would be way yeah. more interested in testing that game than a lot of my friends in town here. And yeah, they so want to play. I want, game, to grab, want to grab, you know, and yeah. and uh Lex, uh so spoiler, we're gonna have uh Lex from Dank Dungeons on the show next week, and he's gonna talk next about week. his game that he created called a Zag. And we're gonna talk about that and just like creating OSR style games. But yeah. I was in his playtest and um we didn't even have character sheets like it was just like oh just open a google doc and kind of like write down what you have and that and that's what we did and we played and we just rolled dice and it was fun so Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe that's what i need to do for that and then have like you know a night of that and then we get a bunch of uh interesting feedback and then i revise it and then a month later we do it again or something like that well i think
1: also from a design standpoint, the character sheet can be a cornerstone to help you understand your game. 100%. Because it helps you understand the parts and the pieces that are happening. And it's the piece that the players interact with, right? It's the piece that they have to understand this and the rules have to make sense on this piece of paper or the whole thing falls apart. Because if Mm -hmm. they can't make their own character or they can't understand what they can do or how to do it, that was always the problem Back in the day when I tried to learn Dungeons & Dragons in the first place and I was you know, a 10-year-old kid, mm-hmm. I didn't understand all the math or the weird rules or all the stuff that was going on, so we weren't quite doing it. But once you understood that character sheet, you could say you knew how to play Dungeons & Dragons. You finally knew what all those skills meant, what all the bonuses meant, where all the rules were coming from, how you got to those rules. When you felt like you understood that character sheet in depth, you understood the game. So I think if somebody's designing a game like you are, if you understand that character sheet, you're going to understand your game even even better than from any other standpoint, I think. So yep. I think it'd be cool. I think that's fun and it's an idea. There are only certain types of people, like you pointed out, that are interested in those kinds of things. Not, not your whole party. Some just want to play that game on Tuesday night and that's all they want to play. And they want you to run that game. They don't want you to play other stuff. They don't want other systems. They don't want to learn anything new they just
0: want to you know swing their big great sword and have fun and go yeah Yeah. which i was like really excited to play in lex's (laughs) game because i'm curious about game design so you kind of need to find those people you know yeah Uh, like we had celeste on the show and and she's like i made all of this fifth edition stuff and i really wanted somebody else to run it for me so i could play Mm -hmm. with these toys that i created and i was like (laughs) oh yeah i never you know it's kind of interesting but yeah (laughs) So, uh, well, I mean, we've got a little bit of time left. Let's talk about your Dungeon of the Mad Mage. I I haven't played any games because I've just been working and stuff. So, (laughs) That's what we've... Yeah, we've all been working. It's gotten busy
1: for us, and summer's coming, so we want to get outside and do all those things. But Dungeon of the Mad Mage, Tuesday nights, our uh, dungeon dungeon master from down under, Danimal, uh, running a great game for us. We had a big battle where last week we talked about the guy walked in and all of your damage whether it was magical or physical didn't work like you could hit him all day long and it didn't work we finally found out that it was an item that he was wearing that has this special property that while it's in this area this one area only you were immune to all damage so it was like this crazy thing you had to figure out how to get around and i think that was an interesting way to make our players think of something else because we're a heavy damage group so all of a sudden if you take that away, we have to come up with a different way to deal with this person. Um, and it's it was an interesting, fun house part of the adventure. And I feel like we're getting close to a level up and we're getting close to decide, do we go back up to level six and map it? Or do we finish seven out and go down even further, down to level eight, which could be very interesting mm-hmm. to get some of the bigger level stuff. I wonder, um, if,
0: your, I wonder if the design of... Uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage is that you were supposed to skip floors oh I don't know Yeah, like and I'm the wondering. idea is just like oh sweet we like got forward or like maybe if you went to 7 then you would be able to skip to 10 or something like there's well, there little are secrets gates. like that there are so. gates throughout
1: that Halaster has built within and you can find them and if you are brave enough to go through them you can end up somewhere else in this Dungeon of the Mad Mage yeah <laughs> And sometimes they are on different levels and sometimes mm-hmm. they're, you know, so there is that capacity to get in over your head if you wish. And there's a lot of mechanics to it without spoiling a look too much. They're there. There's these art magical arches. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too that it's also a dungeon that can evolve because Halister purposely has the powerful magic enough to make that kind of thing happen. So the levels could, if you were a dungeon master, could change layouts and could change things going through it and you have a perfectly legitimate reason on why that's happening because of the the influence of you know the mad mage halister in the powers that he has you're talking like beyond ninth level spell power yeah, yeah. at that point with halister so it's it's very interesting we're still having a ton of fun um our players are excited to see what um what level they get to. We did just come up into an interesting part. I don't know if any of your parties or you've had this problem when you've attuned as much as you can, but you're slowly accumulating other things. And now you're having the struggle of what do I attune and what do I not attune?
0: (laughs) Which is a good struggle to have, I think, because you know, if we, if you're just like coughing up magic items by the end of your game, it's a little hard, but uh, I you know there's been a couple where my DM or I've been a DM where I've handed it out and they're just like oh attunement slots and I was like oh did I yeah you don't have that's not an attunement like because I like I want you to have that I cool item like yeah, yeah so just take it and we'll say
1: that I think our Doge master is doing that I think Daniel's doing that too because he made my bow which is a cool bow and I was like, oh, do I got to tune to that? Because now I can't use my cloak and my boots and my gauntlets. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 that's not, that one's not, that one's not yeah, attuned. just take it. Just <laughs> that. But it, that is the funny thing. We talked about this last week and I'll mention it again just before we shut down. I have a stat beast character right now who has the gauntlets of ogre strength, 19 strength. I have a parapet of wisdom, 19 wisdom. I have a, um, so it's wisdoms at 19. Band of then- intellect
0: or something and.
1: I already have a 20 decks because that's where all my points went into. And then, oh, the amulet of health. Oh, okay. So my con just hit 19. So I'm like, I only have two more stats that if I can get them to 19s, so I'll have all 19 somehow. And uh, Now that's
0: my new goal. Just for, You know, for that that would be <laughs> a really funny villain who yeah. is just a regular guy. That found a circlet of intelligence and all this other stuff, and so now they're running around doing crazy things. But when you actually defeat him and take those off, he's like, "Oh, just back to my eights, back to ten, or my six or whatever." Yeah, minus ones.
1: No man, (laughs) this sucks.
0: (laughs) I like that a lot. Uh, Thank you guys so much for coming out. This was a fun show. Uh, Like I said, next week we're gonna have uh, Lexon from Dank Dungeons. We're gonna talk about his game. Probably it's gonna be a fun show. But Lucian will get to ask all of those hard-hitting questions that Days he's been wanting to ask. About and Uzag. we're going to spoil We might have two guests in a row. Yeah. More so four, then next the seconds. week after next week, so two weeks from now, we're going to have another guest. Uh, and that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and we won't spoil that just yet. But uh, no, keep it on
1: Twitter. We'll start telling yep. everybody and, yep. and piping it up. It'll soon be a so lot of fun. It'd be cool to have Lex back and
0: possibly another special guest, which would be fun. Exactly. So, uh, tell, tell everybody about how cool the show is and let let, all that stuff, you know, the drill, uh, we're really excited. Uh, and yeah, thanks for subscribing to Jordan's Jocular Junction, my second YouTube channel that I've been doing. We're almost at a thousand subscribers, which is really cool. And I've got a lot more, uh, OSR, indie RPGs and, and Dungeon Crawl classics content for that. Uh, so go ahead and take a drink, Mr. Danimal. Uh, anyway, (laughs) Uh, we will be back next week with a very special Saturday morning D and show. We'll see you guys all then. Take care. Bye. Stay safe and happy.